good day to all of my friends out there listening. Welcome once again to the Everyday Missionary Podcast, episode 254. And today I'm talking all about truth, or maybe a little bit more to the point, what I think truth should produce in the life of the Christian. And what I'm talking about there is as it relates to being an everyday missionary. So, so often, as is the case, I care about the optics of a thing. Now, I don't care about optics for the sake of optics. I care about optics for the sake of loving my neighbors. So what we know is perception can become truth for people. And in relationship to that, if we're going to be a good everyday missionary, we want to be thinking not in terms of my faith and how it makes me feel and that's all that matters, but rather how the optics of my faith presented to the world, how that impacts the world. Now, when I say that, what I'm not trying to imply is that we can always, uh, you know, put forth an image that is palatable, that is acceptable, that is praiseworthy by the world, because Jesus says, hey, man, the world is going to be against you sometimes. And there is this conflict between you know, the values of this planet and the values of the kingdom that Jesus is bringing into the context of this planet. And therefore, there's going to be things that we do that aren't going to be popular, that aren't going to be well-received, and we're going to be okay with that. And even in that, when we are whether you call it persecuted or opposed or whatever else, even then you're to have a certain kind of disposition. So the world, it makes it harder than for them to be against the Christian because we're so gracious in our reply to opposition. So even that is kind of an optics issue where when we are opposed, if our temperament is a certain kind of way, it makes it harder for the world to hate God's people because they go, man, I, I, I see that there is a graciousness, there is a forgiveness, there is a, a kindness in that equation, and it just kind of wears them down. It's like kind of killing them through kindness. That is sort of the relationship the believers to have to a hostile world. And that's one of the reasons I love First Peter, because that's all he advocates for. He's like, you guys are getting throttled by the government. You're getting throttled by your culture. Uh, you're getting throttled by your slave owners and, you know, the, the different people that are in your world. And then he just keeps reiterating. So suffer like Jesus did. Suffer without a word. Suffer while doing good. Suffer by being a good person still. Don't retaliate. Don't be vindictive. I mean, it's all in there and it's so good. And so when it comes to this idea again of how we present ourselves to the world, it matters how we do that both when times are are easy and good, and when times are hostile, we want a certain disposition to be displayed. And to me, the disposition that's being displayed is to be born out of what it is we truly believe. In other words, the truths that we hold or the truth that we hold should result in a type of attitude uh, toward the world that we live in. And from that, the world can see that. And that becomes an even more compelling evidence of the power of the gospel and how the kingdom is different than the way the kingdoms of the world do business. And, and so with that, the kind of the heart of the, the podcast today is this idea of what is it that believing the truth should result in? Should it result in certainty or should it result in humility, right? Which should be the result of the truth that we believe in? And and part of that, why this is important to me is because I was thinking about this recently and I think there is an assumption that we as Christians have that that I'm not sure is the right assumption to have. But I think what happens is that we get a little um, like we 
over assume an idea, an idea, excuse me there, too much beef jerky before I went on the podcast. Now it's deciding to fight back on me right now. But um, we assume, assume a certain idea. And the idea is because our eyes have been sort of illuminated, if you will, to the reality of Christ and kingdom and a bigger meta narrative than maybe the meta narrative of a disbelieving world would look at. We assume that because we have become these people that have gone behind the curtain to see that truth, then in light of that, we have a better handle on all truth. And because we have a better handle on all truth, we have a certain kind of superior perspective on what's really going on in the world. And then when you're in that space, you you can almost have a little bit more of I'm smarter than the world around me, right? And so, because we go, oh, we know that they're just having their strings pulled by, you know, Satan or spiritual forces or or they don't know that they're blind and so they think what they believe as truths are really lies and we see more clearly than we they do and so we're a little bit more smart than they are and that breeds something then in us that I think is the sin of certainty. In other words, it turns into a certainty about a lot of different things. And when we have that kind of certainty about a lot of different things, we're looking at the world around us and we go, they're just blind. They're just lost. They just believe lies. Why? Because I'm found. I see. I only believe truths. And and that's where I think we get a little mistaken. Now, where I agree with a fraction of that whole thing is that by God's grace, we have been given insight and sight to a particular truth. And that particular truth is that Jesus is God. Jesus came into the world. Jesus lived as a servant. He died as a servant. He rescues us from our sin by his sacrifice and grace. He puts himself in the hands of a hateful world and in love rescues those who hate him, including us. And from that, he rises from the grave and starts a body of people that are advancing his kingdom in the world. That idea we've been brought into, but not because we were so smart, clairvoyant, on top of it, intelligent, all of the facts that our our intellect is so high we have faith no none of that it's only by grace right so this one truth that we believe in has been given to us in the context of tremendous grace so it's not like we were just smarter than everybody else around us to believe but rather god was just generous toward us and and from that we believe so we hold this truth but just because we embrace that truth doesn't mean we understand everything about everything. In fact, there's probably a great many things we don't understand. And even this one truth that we do understand because it's come into our our lives because of the grace of God, what it should result in is not then this kind of certainty and determinism and dogmatism about everything, but rather it should generate in us a sense of humility because of this one truth that has rescued us, this one truth that has changed our life. And from that, we want to interact with the world around us saying, there's a lot of stuff I don't know. In fact, I I know less than half of everything, but here's the one thing I do put my faith in that Jesus came and did these things. And I think even in light of that, it's that remembrance then that what we're saying is what I put my faith in is this set of beliefs about a person who did things that changed everything for me. And what the net effect of that is for my life then is humility. Even in my faith, there should be humility over certainty. 
Now, I know that sounds a little strange because it's like, well, isn't the essence of real deep belief certainty? Yeah, from a certain point of view, I think it is. But I think it's a certainty that is so, so wrought with with mystery and wrought with uh, kind of an overwhelming sense of gratitude. The way it displays itself is not with like, over assuredness or over aggressiveness or almost the sense of um, I know something you don't and so I have a superiority over you because I have faith and you have doubt or I have faith and you have disbelief but rather it should result in listen I'm so overwhelmed by these things I'm just humbled by what it is I know because I didn't come to know it by any wherewithal in me I don't hold to it because I just have more tenacity than you no again this idea of grace just punctured my life. I, 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 it was like almost in a way that I was not even anticipating. And so this truth that I hold slays me every day. And I just live in gratitude and awe and in humility for the fact that God showed me enough compassion to reveal it to my heart and my mind and in my life. See, that should be then the fruit. And I say this because what I tend to see sometimes in in Christian circles is that we're taught, no, what we need to have is a certainty and the certainty comes across as a conviction and the conviction comes across sometimes a little bombastic or a little bit like people who doubt, doubt because they're dumb or they doubt because they just believe in world systems or whatever else. And yet we don't believe because we transcended all of that. We believe because again, God's grace just, just kind of came upon us and revealed things to us that we wouldn't have seen with our own natural vision anyway. I mean, that's what the Bible keeps kind of communicating, that it's the Holy Spirit that gave life in you, and it's God who opened our eyes, and we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God in his grace did these things, like Ephesians chapter 2 just nails that right to the floor, right? And so all the more then, the way we should be facing everything in our world is saying, yeah, truth leads to humility more than truth leads to certainty, And while I might have an inner certainty about this truth that God has revealed to me, it really should play itself out in my life toward my world in the tone of humility. When we do our like missional endeavors to reach people, when we're sharing about Jesus or we're sharing about the Bible or about the values of the kingdom or whatever else, the tone should not be, hey, this is just the truth. But rather, it should be, this is what God has done, and I'm, I'm, I'm just so overwhelmed by it. I just want to share it with you because, again, it, I, it's not because I did anything. It's because I realized that he did everything and I did nothing. And from that, I'm just, I'm in the, in the river going along for a ride in the flow of the stream. Cause again, it's not me paddling even. It's what he does in and through me. See, that's where I think humility is so key. And I think that's what the world's waiting to see because I think what they tend to see is they see, especially us in the evangelical world, as though we know all truth on all sorts of truths. I mean, even think about it over the last two years where there was people that had no specialty in science, in, uh, you know, the, 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 just the, the general topics that were like raining down on us every single month as far as race issues or political issues or, or again, kind of research issues or whatever else. And there's Christians that have no training in any of these fields, like talking as though they were the specialist above all else because they can see behind the curtain of the spiritual world. And from that, the, the world is looking at us going, but you guys are just, 
talking to talk. You're just making statements, but you don't know all of the information. And and that only lessened our witness capacity more than really rallied our witness capacity. And I think what the problem there was is we acted as though because we have knowledge of the truth on one thing, we have knowledge about truth on all things. And that's just not that's not reality. That's not really true. Right. Like we have a very limited scope. So we all get trained in certain fields in life and we might be really knowledgeable about those fields. And then we try to be self learners and students in life. And we might have some levels of knowledge on some things, but there's a lot of things we don't know. And so on areas where we don't know for sure, we don't know for sure. Even on areas where we know for sure, we should still sound like we really are approaching that in humility because the ultimate outplay of the most important truth in our life is the outplay of humility. Right. It's not pride. It's not perfection. It's not absolutism. It's not any of those things. It's like, man, again, I just I, I, I know my humanness only too well. And I know the grace of God that stepped into my humanness. And it's only by grace that I stand. And so it's his grace that I celebrate. And it's his grace I want to show to others. And I don't try to pretend like I know everything because like I always love to say again, I only know less than half of everything. And so from that, all the more, I just want to be humble. See, when I think about the New Testament, it really advocates for humility. If you type in the word certainty, what you won't find is any verse that talks about certainty, right? Not really. Even like in Hebrews chapter 11, we see a little bit of this, but it's all about faith again. And faith is not all about facts. Faith is about trust. And trust to me is about humility again. It always rolls back to that. So a great passage out of James chapter three, as we are remembering that truth should lead to humility He says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. Do good works with the humility that comes from wisdom, right? And that's the way we're to conduct business in our world. If we really believe the word of God, if we really believe the truth of God, that translates us in such a way or translates in us in such a way that it then reveals itself in a uh, gracious uh, like, l- l- like long suffering, lots of bandwidth in life kind of disposition, uh, where it shows that, Hey, man, in the same way that God is patient and generous with us, we will be patient and generous with those around us, whether they are friend or foe. We do that because that's the wisdom in play, the truth of God working in us to produce a wisdom that makes us truly humble before Him. Or I think about the book of Titus chapter three. He says, remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and they must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. I think about that for a minute. Don't slander anyone and avoid quarreling. Like, like. Just those ideas right there for the Christian in our world is so valuable because so often we get pulled into quarreling. We get pulled into slandering. We think we, we know the real story of some event. This is where, again, you know, sometimes Christians get baited into conspiracies and, you know, they're starting to badmouth different public figures when they really don't have any idea what's really true of that public figure or that organization, that institution, right? Like we just don't know unless we're sitting in committee hearings behind closed doors. We don't know unless we somehow have cameras and microphones and, you know, well-known people's homes and lives 
lives and cars we don't know. But there's so much of this kind of assuming the worst and we assume we're right because we believe there's a spiritual thing going on behind the scenes. And because we believe that, it means we have insight to things, but we don't really have insight to things. All it leads to for us is quarreling and slandering, and that is far from humility. Hence, that's why Paul says we should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. See, I, I so often look at kind of Christianity in our culture today, and, and I, I'm always preoccupied with the idea that we can do tremendous damage to our reputation when we don't do things according to scripture, when we get more sucked into, again, our assumptions, we get sucked into our speculations, uh, we get sucked into the political social debates of the day, and we're not taking scripture seriously. We're especially not taking these sections of scripture seriously. I mean, it's amazing how often I read an article from a Christian leader about some of the cultural dynamics. And I think every time I read the article or the blog or whatever else, I'm always looking for, does it sound like if I wasn't on this team, I would be curious about what makes this team tick? Or does it sound like, oh, no, I just know they're the opposition. And more importantly, I look and I read to go, are they using trigger words and trigger phrases that are designed to create quarreling, designed to slander? designed to get the ire up of the very people I'm trying to reach? Do they use those triggers or are they trying to decelerate that stuff and speak compassionately, gently, kindly, and lovingly? See, just even this last week, I was reading a couple articles on abortion and on uh, kind of some of the issues of justice and of critical race theory, and it was all written by Christians. And I remember by the end of the articles, I felt agitated. And I was like, man, if this is designed to to convince disbelieving people to think differently, mission unaccomplished by a long mile. It was more like it was preaching to the choir to get us riled up too, to get us as frustrated as the writer. And from that, to have our own little online pitchforks and torches and go burn somebody else down, right? And yet I go, that's not the fruit of truth. The fruit of truth, again, is grace, humility, love, compassion, bridge building, that's the fruit of truth. Because what if, if, if you really distilled it all down, Jesus says he's the truth, right? So gospel of John, he's really clear about that. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then you go, oh, great. Well, then what was Jesus known for? Well, he said he was gentle and lowly in heart and people would find rest for their souls when they were with him. Or Peter says, hey, man, he was the one that was willing to be sacrificed without a word. He didn't retaliate. He didn't slander. He didn't fight back, but he entrusted himself to the God who judges justly. And so for us, if we go, what does truth look like? It looks like Jesus. And what did Jesus look like? He looked like those things, right? He looked like those things to a world that desperately needed to see something different, to badger, belittle, hound, mock, make fun of, assume, slander, suppose, stir up fights, you know, pick an enemy and go after him. That's just earth fighting earth. But Jesus came into this world to show something different. He came to show the love of God. He came to show the compassion and care of God. He came not to condemn it, but rather to rescue it. And the more we embrace that that is the fruit of truth in our lives, man, the more we will be effective every day missionaries.